0: If you have a service that can make a difference to people's lives, it's important you get past your stuff. It's selfish when you're not selling. It's a selfish act. If you have a service that will change people's lives, if you're not selling it, sell with love. I love this. Plug into the
1: minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling With Love Podcast. Hi there, listeners of the Selling With Love Podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. Hey everybody, this is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Today, I wanna bring an extraordinary individual. I've had a chance to hear him speak on stage. I've had a chance to interview him. He's coached me in some past sessions before. And this man, Rich Litvin, is one of the top coaches in the world. He works with the most extraordinary people such as presidential candidates, Olympic athletes, Hollywood film directors. And I really wanna bring him on to start dissecting the way that he's able to work with these high-performing individuals them coaching and build a business around this incredible art of what he does and I know for a lot of listeners here you might be in the space of consulting coaching self-employed working with individuals and you're trying to understand how is it that you communicate the value you provide how is it that you can find these amazing clients that you love working with and this is really what I would love to be able to dissect with Rich Litvin who is here today he is the author of the highly acclaimed book the prosperous coach has sold over 70,000 copies and in the top 20 books on coaching in Amazon for over over seven years. He has a big picture to be able to mobilize a hundred million to educate millions of children. His company has already helped build five schools in Africa, leads a community of 20,000 coaches and consultants already. And he's here to speak with all of us today. Rich, welcome to the call and thank you so much for being here.
0: Hey, man, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you, Jason. So I'm happy to be here. I
1: wanted to open up with a question I usually hold for the end. But with you, I feel like it'll be powerful to start? Because I know the basis of your business was built on this premise. So you're on the Selling with Love podcast. And when you hear Selling with Love, what does that mean to you?
0: Mm. So I like to play this way. Whenever I plan out an event, working with a client, I plan it all out. I plan the best way I'm going to end in a really powerful way. And then just as we're about to deliver the event, I say, okay, let's take whatever I was going to do that was going to be really powerful on the last day. Let's do it on day one which will really blow their minds. And then neither they nor I know what's coming next. So it's a really powerful way to play. Selling with love. There's a great book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg, which is about selling with love. It's about giving first. There's a wonderful book by Adam Grant. Adam Grant wrote a book called Give and Take. And in that book, he says, there are three types of people. There are givers, there are takers, and there are matches. You know, if you give to me, I'll give back to you. Are you familiar with that book?
1: Not that second one. Bob Berg has been on the show, though, and I'm hoping to get your second one here.
0: In that book, three types of people, givers, matchers, and takers. Let me ask you a question, Jason. Who do you think are the most successful people in life? The givers, the matchers, or the takers?
1: My bias or my instinct would say that you probably want to calculate around the matchers, but I think I'm starting to realize I'm knowing better, and I feel the givers are the ones that are getting the most success.
0: Okay, well, let me ask you the second question before I respond. Who do you think are the least successful in life or business? The givers, the matches, or the takers? I would feel like the takers. But
1: that's almost like, a su- it's, I'm assuming a new paradigm, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, so the most successful people are the givers and the least successful people are the givers. So coming from love, selling with love by giving first, you know, I wrote a book called The Prosperous Coach, which is based around a single concept serve people so powerfully, they never forget your conversation for the rest of their lives, whether or not they ever work with you come from service first. Well, plenty of people come from service first, and they're broke. Plenty of people come from love first, and they're broke. And so that's that distinction of, you know, the givers are very successful, and givers are also the least successful. And I spent the last 10 years trying to deconstruct what's the difference between givers who succeed and givers who struggle. Oh, that is fascinating. You definitely
1: caught me there and i see this all the time it's almost like some are givers but then things just naturally keep coming back and call it the law of attraction that's often what is being attributed to it saying that hey you just give and things seem to come in return but i also see people that are givers as martyrs they're like they're giving but there's just like the 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 return valve just doesn't send anything back and it's almost wondering like is there something wrong with me? Are there certain people that are just blessed with luck? Have you found anything that's
0: shown this pattern of differences? Well, one of the distinctions I see is what I call distinguishing between giving your all and giving it all. When you get on a call with me, I will give my all. I will serve you as powerfully as if you're a client paying me $100,000 a year or more. Whether or not you're a paying client, I will bring my all to the conversation. But I don't bring it all. If I bring it all, and I've done this in the past, I get wiped. I get exhausted. There is nothing left for me to give. So you have to keep some of yourself in reserve. You have to hold some of yourself back. You have to create boundaries for where you're willing to give and where you're not willing to give. And, you know, it's selling with love. The selling comes first. You've got to be willing to sell. We have such a fear around selling. Somebody wrote to me once and said, Rich, you know, I love your book. The Prosperous Coach is great, but some of your clients pay high fees. You know, Jesus Christ used to serve people for nothing. And I wrote back and said, yeah, but I'm not Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to be. I don't mean to be facetious, but I'm not trying to be. I want to be me. I'm building a business. I want to have a lifestyle where I can take care of my family and do the things that I love to do and serve people at the same time. So there are two ways to work with me. One is you can pay a lot of money and the other is you don't pay anything. I wrote a book that you can buy for a few bucks online. I have written every single day for the last 10 years. I don't publish everything I write, but there is a wealth of material from me in the written form, in audio form, in visual form on YouTube that you can access. we not paying me a penny. You can come to an event that I run for $1,500 or you can pay $185,000 to be a concierge trusted advisory client. I charge a handful of people some significant money because that's what they need to invest in at that level where they are in their life and career so that I can serve a lot of people for not very much money.
1: I feel like there's a lot of times that idea, or that resistance towards wanting to only work with those select few, feeling that you're actually not serving the rest if you're only focused on a few. But the way that you're explaining it is no, by focusing on a few and delivering at a high level and charging what we talked about earlier, an adequate or maybe an irrational, a crazy price. You
0: said to me, charging, what was the word you use? I can't remember, but you you said something else before the call. An appropriate. An appropriate amount, charging an appropriate amount. And then you said later, charging an amount commensurate with the value you provide. So let me distinguish those two ideas. An appropriate amount. What's appropriate? Nothing's appropriate. It's not appropriate that a Honda costs 10,000 and a Bentley costs 400,000. It's not appropriate, but based on what is put into each of those particular vehicles and how many of them are produced, you get to choose. You could choose no matter who you are to save up for your entire life and one day buy a Bentley if you wanted to, if cars were important to you. For most of my life, I wasn't a car guy. I've just bought a really nice car, but that's something very new. For most of my life, I have not been a car guy. And so you really have choice in how and when you spend your money. So just cause you put a number out to your clients doesn't mean that they'll spend that money, but they have choice. And I said to somebody once, they said, yeah, it's expensive to work with you, Rich. And I said, do you have a flat screen TV? I said, yeah, we got two or three actually. I said, you've been on a vacation in the last couple of years, pre-COVID when we used to go on vacations. Yeah, we've been on vacation. Do you have a nice car? Yeah, I've got a nice car. So you choose where to spend your money. Everybody has a bunch of pots for their money, Jason. They don't know it. They don't normally articulate it. They know they have a pot of money for taking care of the rent, the mortgage. They have a pot of money for taking care of their kids. They have a pot of money for taking care of the food that they eat. Some people are willing to spend a lot of money to get very high quality food if they can afford it. Others, food's not their main thing. So they're not worried about spending money on food. Most people don't have a coaching budget. So you have to do a number of things. One, you have to walk your talk. Most coaches who struggle have never invested any money in their own personal growth or professional development. If you don't hire your own coach for an amount of money that feels uncomfortable to spend, you're not walking your talk. Why would anyone ever do that with you? I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my own coaches. So I know what it feels like to write a big check. I've just hired a new coach for this year, a mentor actually to work with me around intuition. I've written a $50,000 check to her. I would never have paid to study intuition five years ago, three years ago at this moment in my life. It's really significant to me. And I was willing to have the uncomfortable conversation with my wife because we didn't have cash lying around. We have to take that from somewhere else. And so I'm willing to invest in myself most coaches haven't yet stepped into that willingness to invest in themselves
1: you're touching on something important here which is that whole self-investment and it feels like in the industry particularly coaching you know it's an unregulated industry and there's a lot of programs that invite people to get into coaching but they speak about not needing to pay anything to get started you're speaking here about there's mandatory investments that actually allow you to get to a place where you're more comfortable making the sale And, you know, I've worked myself with a lot of coaching clients, which feel that they need more sales advice. But once I start talking with them, I realize that everything's happening in the mindset. And the sales is actually not the real issue. It's kind of the excuse of the lack of success. Could you speak more about what needs to happen at the beginning so you can start actually having a bit more success and start seeing what are the core mindset things that need to shift?
0: There are five sales and most people miss this. They think there's only one do you want to buy my coaching, Jason? Yes or no? And there are five sales. The first sale is to yourself. Do you believe in this thing that you do enough that you can tell other people about it? Are you excited enough about it? So Jason, I've just purchased my first ever puppy. She's being trained right now. and She's on her way. I've never had a dog before. I'm so excited. I could tell you why I've decided to buy a puppy rather than take one from a pound, why I've chosen this particular breed, what it means to me. I've done research. I've looked into this. I'm so excited. When you can bring that level of excitement to what you do, people feel it. They trust you and you trust yourself. So the first sale is always in here. I teach people, before you write a sales page, write a love letter. Write a love letter to this thing that you want to sell. You've got to fall in love with it. Selling with love, right? I just realized, yeah, it's exactly what I teach. Write a love letter to whatever you're selling. You've got to be in love with this so much that you could be, if you want to talk about puppies, I'll talk to you about puppies, Jason. If you don't want to talk about puppies... I'm okay. I'm excited. It doesn't matter if you're not. And people don't get like that when they're like, I want to tell you about my coaching, Jason. And if you're not interested, I'm going to get upset and hurt. So I don't mind. If you're not interested in coaching with me, somebody else will be. It's that energy. But sale number one is to yourself. Sale number two is to a conversation. If you're selling coaching, it always starts in a conversation. Would you like to have a chat? Would you like to talk? How's life? What's going on? You've got to get someone into an interesting conversation with you. That's the second sale. Would you like to have a conversation with me? Can I help you with that? It's not often much more complex than that. You want some help with that? Yeah, this is what I do. I'm a coach. I'm a consultant. I work with people on whatever, relationships, on business, on sales. Sale number three is what we think of as the sale, which is the proposal, I call it. Jason, this is what it would cost to work with me. These are the logistics. Here's how it would work. I made a video years ago. It's one of my most watched videos called The Art of the Proposal. People can just Google Rich Litvin and the art of the proposal. I've never gone back and redone it. I captured really exactly what you need to do to make a proposal. And most people are terrified, Jason. Someone will say, this is great. I loved working with you. What does it look like? What do we do next? You know what? I'll send you an email. And then, A, they get afraid they don't send the email for days or even weeks later. You've been there? Yep. (laughs) Or B, they send a really complex email but they didn't check in because most of the time when someone says, hey, send me a proposal. What that means is I'm not really into this. I'm not sure if this is for me. I didn't actually like what you did. You missed something really significant here and you can't even see it. But I'm too kind and too sweet to tell you that. Or I just feel uncomfortable to say no thanks. So send me a proposal. Sometimes people will even say, oh, this is amazing. I'm in. Love it. This is great. You send them a an proposal and you never hear from them again. They didn't really mean they were in. We just don't know how to say no thank you in this culture. So, yeah, I'm in. It's much easier than later on I can ghost you. And most coaches and consultants have been there.
1: Well, I find that's fascinating because when I've had this issue where I've been in a conversation with people and this is what happened. I would talk about what I would do and then they would ask me to send a proposal. And then I'd start really analyzing what had just happened. Because for me, I'm a bias towards sales. I'm very enthusiastic when it comes about selling, getting into the process of sales. is really fun for me. And I've gotten into conversations where after I've kind of taken a step back and I'm about to send the proposal, I realize, oh, I don't know if this person I can actually help. I think that in the moment of the excitement,
0: they were all in, but now I'm looking at their situation and I don't know if I'm a right fit for them. So let me tell you a couple of tools that will help you with that. And then I want to go to sale number four and sale number five, because we only got through three out of the five sales. The first one, someone says, oh, look, Jason, this was amazing, I'm in. Slow them down, hang on a second. Now, I call this test the yes. Most people wanna test the no. It's like, oh no, it's not right for me. And then you bring in all the sales training, sales 101 to handle objections. No, no, do the opposite. If they say, oh my God, this was amazing, I'm in. well, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Are you sure we're not rushing too fast? Is there not somebody you need to speak to first? What about your husband or your wife or your business manager or your bank manager? Let's sleep on this. Let's sleep on this is a great line to use. If you wake up tomorrow and you're still what I call a hell yes, and I'm a hell yes too, we'll message each other. And if you're in and I'm in too, I'll tell you how to make payment. But let's slow it all down right now. And if there are no, I do the opposite of what Sales 101 teaches, which is to handle objections and I honor objections. Rich, I'd love to work with you, but it's too expensive right now. I'd love to work with you, but now doesn't feel like the right time. Yeah, Jason, that makes complete sense. Not everyone's ready to work with me the first time we talk. Take all the time you need. If you wanna get back and have another conversation, get in touch. So I'll give them space. It feels so nice to get that kind of space it changes everything because we feel the opposite when someone's trying to like, are you sure? Like, what about this? There's sales trainings that will teach you to say to people like, what about if you took it out of your savings? What if you took it out of your retirement plan? I don't play that game. I want to honor where you are in your process.
1: I love that. And there's almost a part of me that acknowledges kind of the psychological aspect of saying that, especially when they say, say, hold on, And then it actually gives you not only a yes, but someone that really appreciates and has a great trust with you. And especially if you're gonna be building this relationship as a coaching client, having that trust is so powerful. And I think when you actually put the brakes on and actually make them think about it, they know that you have their back. And I think that's a great foundation for any client relationship.
0: People will really trust you. Even if they never work with you, they trust you. So they're in a conversation with their sister-in-law three months later, and she's having some struggles in business They go, you know what? You need to speak to Jason. I couldn't afford him or he wasn't the right coach for me because they trust you. They don't forget you. So I'm playing the long-term game. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not trying to get a client in this moment. I call it creating clients. It's not getting clients.
1: I love that. I knew you were cut from the same cloth. That's why I'm excited having you on the show. Selling with Love is built into everything you teach as well. And we've only covered three of the five sales. So let's move through it.
0: Yeah, so sale number one is to yourself. Am I in love with this thing that I'm selling so much that I can rave about it, light up about it? Sales number two, would you like to have a conversation? Like draw them into a conversation? That's a sale. We forget this. Sale number three is you've served them really powerfully. You've given all your magic. And I say, leave nothing on the table. Like bring it all. Serve them as if they're already one of your highest paying clients ever. Sale number three is when you actually make that proposal. This is what it would look like for us to work together. While you do that, you need to give them the tools for sale number four. Because sale number four happens when I serve you really powerfully, you enjoy this, you say, I'm in. You go back home and speak to your husband, your wife, your business partner, and you go, oh, my God, Rich was amazing. I loved it. I think it's going to change my life. I'm in. And they say, how much is it going to cost to work with him? And it doesn't matter if they say $5,000, $10,000, 100000 No one has a budget for coaching. So they're going to say, $5,000? What's he going to do for $5,000? And all they can say is, well, he's going to talk to me. I know, I know, but what else? No, that's it. He's going to talk to me. (laughs) Because that's all coaching is, Jason. (laughs) You and I talk, your life changes, period. So you've got to give them the tools to do the sale as a follow-up. So I teach them, teach coaches, to bring five words into that proposal conversation. I won't go into it now. You can watch the art of the proposal so we can stay on our track. But I teach them how to make that fourth sale so when their partner says, what are you going to do? They go, well, we're going to work on my vision. And this is what he drew out of me in the conversation. We're going to work on my mindset. We're going to work on my energy. And they've got these five words and an explanation of each of them so they can make the other person, oh, that, found, that sounds amazing. Great. I support you. I'm in. And then the fifth sale is buyer's remorse. <laughs> it's when a week after they've written a big check, and they're like, holy shit. Oh my God, what have I done? Is this the right thing? And there are some things you can do to help them relax about that. And one of the things you might say to somebody is, look, two things tend to happen after someone signs up with me as a client. Number one, little magical things start occurring immediately before we even have our first session. So I want you to be on the lookout for things that look like coincidences or magical opportunities arising. And if they occur, it's a direct result of you committing to yourself for what you're going to create next. So you're really getting them to scan the horizon, not for danger, like most of us are wired, but to scan for opportunities. So you're changing their life already with that one possibility. And the second one is you can say, and sometimes people get a bit nervous because when you invest in yourself, then you realize there's no more excuses. If this doesn't work, then who do I look at but myself? So it's okay if you get a bit afraid a day or a couple of days or a week afterwards and you wonder, did I do the right thing? For me, that's a clue. That fear is a clue that there's something really cool on the other side because you've invested in yourself.
1: This is really powerful. And you're ensuring that you're kind of covering the blocks of everything that are going to come up within that interaction while they are onboarding themselves as a customer with you. And for anybody who's listening to this and they were like, okay, I was feeling a little intimidated because I had to do a sale. Now, Rich, you're telling me I have to do five? I feel more paralyzed than ever. And so if I'm... Getting started, are there some things that I should keep my attention on so that I can still move forward knowing and recognizing these five sales moment?
0: Well, slow it down, right? I'm lowering the bar with these five sales rather than making it more intense. Sale number one is, are you in love with this thing that you do? If you're a service-based business, are you in love with it? If you're not in love with it, you can't sell it. There's nothing more complex than that. And if you're not in love with it, find out what would have you be in love with it? What are you missing? What's not there any longer? What would turn it into something you're in love with? The second that goes with this is a mindset, and I call it the audition mindset. Your job is to audition the client, not the other way around. If you get on a call with me, you think you're coming to test me out as a coach. I'm testing you out as a client. And I tell you this, I have a scale from one to 10, eights, nines, and tens are my people because I'm not allowed to use a number seven. I got this distinction from Tim Ferriss, one of his rules about making decisions. Number seven is the eh, number. You don't want to be a, seven out of 10 for somebody. It's like, I can take it or leave it. You know, eights, nines, and tens. Well, they're sexy. I love them. They're exciting to me. Six isn't below. You know, they drain me of energy. They're not right for me. The seven is the kind of number we say yes to too often. So you need that audition mindset. And if you're a coach and you need money right now, what I always recommend is go and find something that makes you money. Rent out a room on Airbnb, take a part-time job. I remember writing a blog for somebody else, helping to enroll someone else's programs because I needed cash. But because I brought that cash in, it meant I didn't need you. You cannot need a client more than they need you. If you do, they will feel it. It's client repellent. Oh, that's spicy
1: right there. And it's so true. The neediness in the sale actually pushes the sale away. And so a lot of times, even if you're, a coach and maybe you've jumped into this or you've just gone started, you're trying to get your first clients and there's that first sale. You might not have been aware of it, but you realize how important it is in the way that you demonstrate it, which is the sale to yourself. I mean, I've had some people talking about having the issues and mostly when people have issues in sales, they're talking about the proposal stage, right? And, when I would speak with them and they were selling some sort of coaching program and they would come back to me and saying like, yeah, but you know, there's a bit of me that hesitates to go sell. Cause you know, I haven't even completed the framework that I actually tell other people to go and complete when I sell them coaching. And this is exactly it. There's a bit of that imposter syndrome that speaks to it. And I think that sale to yourself needs to happen to be able to work through that imposter syndrome. Would there be anything else you'd want to unpack around that syndrome?
0: Well, yeah, I like to play with imposter syndrome. So the line I like to use is stop trying to get rid of imposter syndrome and get good at it. So I'll say that again, stop trying to get rid of imposter syndrome and get good at it. And what I mean by that is most of the people I meet who come into coaching and consulting are not 21 years old, just left university with a degree in coaching. They've got five, 10, 15, 20 years, sometimes more Of Life behind them. They've been an entrepreneur. They've been an executive. They've been a middle manager. They've been a leader They've been raising a family. They've done all sorts of extraordinary things. So we have to draw out Where you've been extraordinary in your past already? You see for most of history Jason, it wasn't called coaching. It was called leadership and most people have been leading in different ways so Our job is to find out where have you been a leader so you can relax? It's okay. If you feel imposter syndrome, that's great. That tells me you're heading in the right direction. You're doing something that feels a bit intimidating. I say do more of it. Stop trying to get rid of it. Get good at it. Keep heading in that direction. But you've got to see that you've got a track record behind you. You are not a baby coach. You are not a beginner coach. I'm at pains to stress that to most coaches. And once in a while, I'll meet someone who has done a degree in coaching straight out of university, and they're 21 years old. They're not my people. I don't know how to help those people to succeed. I tend to work with people who have done all sorts of other things first and then stepped into this as a later career. And they're, you know, just own who you are. You've, you've got to believe in this thing called coaching, and you've got to realize, yeah, you've got a track record of doing cool stuff in your past.
1: I think the translatability of all the things we've done in the past into coaching is often underestimated. And what you're speaking about right now is truly being a- there to serve, being able to help the clients, being able to bring them through the breakthroughs that they're trying to have. And again, you were able to do this in a way that you're serving all the ones that might not be in a position to afford you because you've cherry picked the extremely niche people that you do work with and you are able to charge such a premium, which is kind of where I wanted to end this conversation for those who are feeling that they are not able to charge as much. I know you've talked about how we need to invest in our own coaching to the level that we're asking our clients to invest in their coaching. Would that be the key?
0: Let me take you back though, right? It doesn't have to start that way. My first ever client paid me on a Thai beach. I think it was 300 baht, it was $7. I didn't ask for that. I was a high school teacher for 15 years, lost my job as a teacher and I've been trained in coaching skills. And I was embarrassed a bit being fired. I was humiliated. And I found a yoga course in Thailand on Koh and I kind of ran off to lick my wounds. I was a bit ashamed of being fired. And I had these playing cards with coaching questions on. And it turns out on the beach, people like to think about their life. And I'd ask people these coaching questions and we'd have fun. And one person, she said to me, wow, that was amazing. You changed my life. I'd like to give you something for that. And she gave me 300 baht, (laughs) $7. I was thrilled. I had never sat down with someone and had a conversation. They had said, you changed my life, here's some money. It blew my mind. My first client after that, my first paying client, paid me $10 a month. I worked with him for six months and he paid me $10 every month for four coaching sessions. I made $2.50 an hour. I would have got more at McDonald's, but I was thrilled because I was doing something I loved and he was paying me for it. I made $4,500 in my first year as a coach. I made, I think it was $20,000 in my second year as a coach. I didn't know how to make money, I didn't. And I wrote about this in The Prosperous Coach because I met a man who became a mentor of mine, Steve Chandler, we wrote a book together. He helped me develop this serving mindset to come from service, to serve you so powerfully, you never forget our conversation for the rest of your life. I will be at pains to say like, don't get swayed by some of the big numbers you've heard us say today if you're listening in. You know, that's a game for some people. It's not for everyone. You get to have choice in how you play this game. I like to say there's no such thing as a high paying client. There are some coaches, Tony Robbins, as far as I know, charges a million dollars a year for coaching. Is that worth it? No, of course it's not worth it. But it is if you have that kind of money and you want to work with Tony. So you get to choose how and where you invest your money. But how I started my business I just came across this post on Facebook. What I love about Facebook, those reminders. 14 years ago, and I wrote on Facebook, I've just finished 300 instant confidence sessions. I told everybody I was studying confidence. I was really fascinated by it because I've lacked confidence for so much of my life. And I wanted to study it. What's this thing, this natural confidence some people have? I don't have it. I'm always feeling insecure and doubting myself. And I studied it. I interviewed people, traveled the world, learned about confidence and I said, I'm doing these instant confidence sessions. 30 minutes, you will leave with a sense of more power and more confidence you've ever had in your life. And lots of people signed up for them. I did not charge a penny. I came from, I'm going to serve you powerfully for half an hour. And if you want more, you'll ask me about it. And I did 300. I think I got maybe one client out of that. I wasn't trying to get clients. I was building my confidence in myself.
1: There's something powerful with what you're saying there because again, I'm seeing so much of what we're being exposed to primarily on social media on how you can get started as a coach fast track success instant money high ticket client these are the trigger words that i mostly see in this industry but what you're speaking about is really the grind that you've been able to do that brought you to the position where you are now you've been writing every day you've had this blog you're sharing and people get to recognize this find this And this may be where I'd wanna end, which is what are some of the key activities that you feel are very powerful for someone in coaching? I love this confidence boost exercise, a daily way of working and interacting with people. Do you have any idea or things that you would share with somebody who wants to start building on their own confidence that you feel would be powerful to do today?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I wanna tell you a secret behind success that most people never talk about. And it's longevity. It's your willingness to commit to the long haul. I have now been a coach longer than I was a high school teacher. I've been coaching for 16 years. And so I haven't stopped doing this. I'm in this game every single day. I am serving people every single day. I spent an hour on the phone this morning with someone who's interested in working with me. I served her powerfully for an hour. At the end of it, she did not ask, how do I work with you? What happens next? So I said nothing. I said, are you good to go? She said, that was great. Thank you so much. It's like, okay, see you around. I have two colors on my calendar, Jason, red and blue. Blue, if someone is a paying client, they've already paid me money, and it's red if they haven't yet paid me money. But if you were observing me on video, you would not be able to tell who was a paying client and who was not. I'm serving every single day. I'm not wearing it today, but I had a bracelet made up that I gave to all my clients who are coaches, and it's got two words on it. It says serve, and it says create. Serve and create. If you wake up every day and you serve one person, or you create one thing, write an article, create a blog, make a video, serve one person or create one thing. You turn the bracelet over and there's a check mark on the other side. You are done. If all you do every day is serve one person, create one thing, you'll create an amazing life for yourself. If you need cash, go away and create some things that bring some cash in so you don't have to worry about the money running out or the kids going hungry. Make sure your bases are covered there. And from that place, come from a place of service and all sorts of cool stuff will happen.
1: Rich? Rich? Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this amazing wisdom. We've covered so much. I love this framework of the five sales that happen. And everybody that's paying attention, I love the fact that the first sale that does need to happen is a sale to yourself. I love this process of seeing how you don't write a sales letter, you write a love letter. And when you do that, you're able to actually start seeing where are the places that may be gaps and where you can actually go find the ways to fill those gaps. So you feel more confident when you go and offer your product and services to others. There's Something in the wisdom that I love, which is the longevity, being able to create, being able to serve, doing it so consistently and for such a long time that you start rising to the top. And I think most people aren't patient enough to continue at a craft to be able to get to that level. And once you start understanding that the big successes aren't done overnight, they're really done through that consistency, you start being more patient with yourself. And Rich also alluded to the fact that if imposter syndrome is there, know that it's there to indicate that you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. You get to grow with it and acknowledge it and then go pass through it. If you're always focused on serving, you're going to realize that you can build something amazing. And what I love about what we talked about today is if it's not even coaching what you're doing, it can be applied to every other business that you do. And so I'm so excited that we were able to share all of this. Please, for everybody that is listening, if you are in coaching, definitely pick up a copy of The Prosperous Coach. We're also going to have some links so you can go and read more about the work that Rich does. And again, Rich, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all this incredible wisdom with everyone.
0: This is important stuff, right? If you have a service that can make a difference to people's lives, it's important you get past your stuff. It's selfish when you're not selling. It's a selfish act. If you have a service that will change people's lives, if you're not selling it, sell with love. I love this.
1: I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.